In this series from Advanced Biblical Foundations, the Kingdom of God provides believers with an understanding on how to cooperate with God's kingdom while on earth. Welcome to our series on the Kingdom of God. This is part six. I hope that you have not only been listening, but I encourage you to read through the Gospel of Matthew. And by no means are we saying that we're covering everything that has to do with the Kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, as Matthew refers to it. We're trying to, trying to paint a big picture because most of the time I grew up in church, I never really heard about the kingdom of God. And I remember when I started really reading the scriptures, I kept I going, wait a minute, what is this? There's so much to have to do. I thought, well, it's going to heaven. Well, the kingdom of heaven is probably there too. But this is not about going to heaven. It's talking about understanding God's rule and reign. So now, in this particular session, I want to look at uh, chapter 13. Um, In the beginning, when we started this, we talked about the fact that nearly all of the parables that Jesus tells are about the kingdom. And so I want to begin in verse 1. It says, On the same day Jesus went out to the house and sat by the sea, a great multitude were gathered together to him, and he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. He sowed some seed, fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on the stony place, and when they did not have much earth, they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of soil. When the sun was up, they were scattered, scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Some fell on the thorns, and some of the thorns sprang up and choked them. And others fell on good ground and yielded a crop some a hundred fold some 60 and some 30 when he and then he said he who has ears to hear let him hear interesting story verse 10 says the disciples came and said to him why do you speak to them in parables now parables are are basically what he did teach i, I grew up in church i always was told that jesus taught in parables so they'd understand what he was saying he used natural circumstances to describe things and that was why he did that. I've heard that said many other times since then. Well, he answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Wow. Whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand. Seeing you will see and will not perceive. The hearts of the people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing. Their eyes they have, they have closed, lest they should hear with their ears, or see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand. And their hearts and turn, so I would heal, should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For surely I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see, did not see it, to hear what you hear, did not hear it. Again, let me just go back to the point here. They said, why why do you speak to them in parables? Why do you tell stories that basically, okay, we get it. There's the seed sown and the birds eat it and some stony land and and some are in among thorns. Okay, uh, in the natural, I grew up on a farm. We had land just like this. We had a field. Actually, had all those those levels of soil in there. What does that 
why are you doing that? And he says, why do you speak to him that way? It's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them they all have not been given. This is such a key issue. Who is he talking to? He's talking to his disciples. See, God hides things, but he doesn't hide them from us. He hides them for us. Heard Bill Johnson say that years ago. God is not hiding things so that we can't find out. He's not trying to say, oh, no, I got truth here, but I'm going to let you have it. No, he's saying, look, I'm hiding things for you. I want you to discover it. But the only way you get it is if you want to, you've got to be a disciple. You, are you serious? Do you really want to know? He's going to make it known to you. Uh, the problem is, if you're not serious and you really, you know, I don't know, sort of a mm-hmm, you're probably not going to get much out of it. So he's, he's telling us that the parables, you've got to have to listen to the Spirit. You're going to have to tune in to Him. If you're serious, if you want to be a student, then He will tell you. Uh, if not, it's just like, doesn't make any sense. Well, let's continue on. Verse 18 says, therefore, hear the parable of the sower. So he's telling us to hear. How do we hear? By the Spirit. We hear by the Spirit. The Spirit is the, He is the one who leads us into truth and guides us. So when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the wicked one comes and snatches away that which was sown in his heart. Those who receive the seed by the wayside. So he's making a point here. We're supposed to be sowing the seeds of the kingdom, the word of the, the kingdom of God. And the enemy is going to attack that word. Why? Because he doesn't want the kingdom, the message of the kingdom, he doesn't want that to get deep-rooted in us. Because if we understand his rule and reign is now, not yet to come in some futuristic time frame, if we understand it, we'll start living different, we'll start operating differently, and we will we'll see the captive set free. We will make a difference in this world. That's why the enemy does everything possible to get us out of and away from the word of the kingdom. Verse 20 says, Then he receives the seed on stony ground. He who hears the word immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for only a while for in tribulation and persecution comes because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now, let me make a point here. Do you realize that the moment that you receive the word of God and you begin to operate and you begin to believe that word, you're going to have persecution. The enemy is going to come against you to see if he can't back you off from believing the word of God. That's why we got to put on the armor of God and stand because the enemy is going to do everything possible to try to say, oh, that doesn't work. You can't believe God for healing. You know, God doesn't heal today. You can't really live in victory. You can't really have an abundant life now. I mean, look at all the circumstances. I'm telling you, you start trying to live by the word of the kingdom and start exercising faith, you're going to get persecuted. Tribulation is going to come. I'm not talking about people necessarily, but it's going to be pressure to try to back you off. Okay? He goes on to say, he received the seed among the thorns. It's who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches uh, choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. See, again, we're not, we're in this world, but we're not of this world. 
So in this world, yeah, there's going to be all this deceitfulness of riches, cares for other things, worries about everything. All that stuff's going on because it's in this world. But I'm not of this world. I, the kingdom has already come. And I don't have to live just in one dimension. I can live by the Spirit and I can live by faith in the Word of God. But recognize, that, listen, you start trying to live and work the cares of this world, the worries about other things, the deceitfulness of riches, those things are out there to try to take you out of your position of not only being in Christ, but being in his authority structures to represent him. This is the conflict. This is what's going on. And then, of course, it says, then some receive the seed on the good ground. It bears, um, it hears the word, understands it, and indeed bears fruit, produce some hundred, some 60, and some 30 different levels of production. But the point is, is that we got to recognize that this is not only big picture what goes on, but take it personally. I can have different levels of, of heart stuff in me right now. I can have areas where I'm sort of hard-hearted and it's hard for that word to work. Other areas I may be living and having victory in. So it applies in many realms, individual realm and in a big picture realm. It tells us how we're supposed to live and how we can live. Well, let's continue on. Verse 24 said, Another parable he put forth, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seeds in his field. And when men slept, the enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. When the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, the tares also appeared, so that the servant of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did we not sow good seed in your field? How then does it bear, how does it have tares? He said to them, an enemy has done this. The servant said to him, do you want us to go and to gather them up? He said, no, that's why you gather up the tares. You also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles and burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Verse 31, and the, another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds. But when it's grown, it's greater than the herbs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Verse 33, the parable he spoke to them, A kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. Now, again, let me make a couple of points here. Sometimes we have a tendency to try to read in a whole lot more stuff than here. What he's making, basically saying is, look, the kingdom of heaven right now is like a most insignificant thing, like a little mustard seed. You'd call that pretty insignificant, but it grows into a big tree. Leaven, you don't see leaven. You don't really see it. You don't know how it works, but you see the effect of its working. So what he's saying here, the kingdom of heaven, it's here now. It's working right now. Um, we've read earlier Isaiah chapter 9. It says the increase of his government and peace, there is no end. See, his kingdom is here. It's increasing. It's expanding. Do you see it all the time? No, not really. But the truth is, is that from that seed that was Jesus who went into the ground and died for us at Calvary nearly 2,000 years ago, and he had those disciples 
ultimately had 120 in the upper room. 3,000 souls were added right after that, and then 5,000. The church was birthed, and it began to expand. Today, over a billion and a half people call themselves Christians. Kingdom is expanding. It's expanding everywhere. There's not a place on the planet that somebody is not there sharing the gospel of the kingdom. There's not a place where somebody's not planning to go there. Everywhere you look, that, that kingdom, the kingdom of God, is beginning to increase. Now, is it real visible? Is it real, wow, here it is, there it is, go here, go there? No, it's not. But I can assure you, it's going to be here at the end. That's what Daniel's prophecy was. That rock that was cut out without a hand, that rock burst through all those kingdoms and it became a mountain and filled the whole earth. That's the kingdom of God. That's our king. That's who we get to follow. And so these, these parables are so, so very, very important for us to understand. He's making a point here. I don't care what you see. I don't care what you're experiencing. My kingdom is here, and it's increasing. It sure seems insignificant. Why isn't it greater and more dimension? It will be someday. When Jesus returns, he's going to put an end to all of this. But in the meantime, my kingdom is here. It's expanding. It's increasing. Let it increase in your life. Don't let those persecutions and tribulations and don't let those things, those pressures and the things of this world coming against it, don't let it steal what I've paid for at the cross for you to have and for you to live in. Now let's continue on. Verse 34. All these things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables. Without a parable, he did not speak to them. Wow. It's just amazing. That wasn't a very good evangelistic program. I don't know why he, you know, isn't that amazing? I mean, think about what we do today and think about what Jesus did. Jesus gets up there and says, you got to drink my blood, eat my flesh, or you have no part of me. And they're going, what? Obviously, there's prohibition against that. Uh, That doesn't build a crowd. They all left him. Even the disciples said they wanted to leave him, but he said, we don't know where else to go. But he told them stories that they didn't really understand that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. So again, it's just like, wait a minute. Why does he do that? Because he wants those that are serious. He wants to have, he didn't say, I want to have some converts. I want you to believe in a proposition. No, he said, I want you to be a disciple. I want you to pick up your cross and follow me daily. I want you to lay your life down. I want you to, I'm not interested in, don't forget this ticket to heaven deal. I want you to live now. I want you to live in relationship with me now. I want you to forsake all and come after me. That's what he's saying. Not for the weak, not for the faint-hearted. It's not, most of the time what we preach is you get to go to heaven. Now it's not about going to heaven. It's about having a relationship with the king who has all authority. All authority is his. And so he wants us to have that relationship. Verse 36, and Jesus sent the multitude away. And he went into the house. His disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. Again, please hear me. He tells these stories and they're sharp enough to realize there's a lot more too. I I don't get that. Now, more than likely, he was looking at a field. He may have been looking. Remember the woman at the well? Um, 
he, she shares, he shares with this woman and she goes off and the disciples come back and he says, I have food to eat, you know not of, to do the will of my father. And, they, and then he says, don't say it's still four months into harvest. I'm telling you the fields are, har- are ripe into harvest today. I am confident, I can't prove this, but I'm confident when we get to heaven, I'm going to find out. I bet Jesus was looking at a field that was four months into harvest. They were an agrarian economy, and they would understand, looking at a field, that is still, and he's saying, don't tell me it's still four months into harvest. I bet they're saying, well, it is. I mean, he's not a very good farmer. He's a carpenter, but he's not a very good farmer. Uh, I'm telling you, the fields are ripe into harvest right now. He's not talking about that particular field he's looking at. He's talking about the field of people. Field is ripe right now. I just got through sharing with somebody that you would say it's not time for harvest. I'm telling you, it's time for harvest right now. And that's what Jesus is telling. He's telling these parables. So they recognize that, okay, you're telling some story here. We didn't get it because, I mean, in the natural, we understand what you're saying. We we have no problem. We understand the issue of tares and wheat and the whole deal. But to explain this to us. So in verse 37, he answered and said to them, he who sows the good seed is the son of man. Now, I love this passage because I don't have to try to interpret what he said because he says it, he tells us exactly what he's meant. The good seed is the son of man, he who sows it. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the reapers are angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out His angels, and they will gather out of His kingdom all things that offend, and those who practice lawlessness will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, that's an interesting passage. I remember reading that for the first time thinking, uh, wait a minute, I thought we got out first. I always taught that I'm getting out of here before the problem comes, before tribulation. I won't be sure I'm in the right group. I hope you are. But he says here that the evil ones, the angels will gather them up, bind them up, and they'll be cast out before then everybody else will shine. Pretty interesting passage. He said, this is going to happen at the end of the age. Last time I checked, we're still not at the end of the age. We're still living in this age. The Son of Man will send out His angels. They'll gather out of His kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness. Cast them into the furnace of fire. They'll be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So what he's saying here is that, guys, um, don't be looking to get out of here. He's not looking to take us out. He's looking for us to represent him here on earth. He's not looking for us to, I've got a ticket to heaven, I'm going to fly away, I'm going to get out of all these problems. No, he's saying, look, I want you, you know, you're here growing together. There's two crops growing up simultaneously. Now, in actual growing wheat, when you grow wheat, tares, you cannot tell the difference in wheat. 
the stalk grows up, you can't tell the difference. But you can only tell the difference at the end when the seed begins to be put into the head. A little, a little, the head of the wheat has multiple seeds in it. It begins to fill out, and you can distinctly tell the difference between wheat and tares. Because tares, their little seed is a little tiny, and it doesn't have much weight to it. So when the, the seed in the wheat crop gets heavy, it bends over. And it gets golden, it bends, it bends over, bows its head. And the little tares just stick straight up. So it's obvious at the end, which is wheat, what's tares. But what he's saying is, but until then you can't tell. So right now we're living in a time when the kingdom of heaven is here and those who enter in, enter in by violence. Literally, it says that we are able to experience his kingdom, his rule and reign now. I don't have to wait to go to heaven. But at the same time, there's a lot of evil and there's a lot of stuff growing up simultaneously. People say, well, why is all this going on? <clears throat> why is there so much evil? Why are there people dying? Why are people <clears throat> excuse me, sick? <clears throat> excuse me, why are people having all these problems? Because God is giving time for people to come into the fullness of the kingdom. He, he, he wants none to perish. He wants all to come in. But the fact is, is that there are wheat and there are tares growing up simultaneously. These two crops growing up simultaneously. Let's continue on. Verse 45. I'm sorry, 44. It said, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Verse 45, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. And when he found one pearl of great price, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. What's he saying? He's saying the kingdom of heaven, understanding the kingdom of heaven is so valuable, it's worth you giving up everything you have to acquire it. The merchant's looking for a pearl. He finds one, one pearl, sells everything he's got to get that pearl. I've got to get that field. He's willing to get up, give up everything. That's what he's saying is, he's saying, guys, I've given to you my rule and reign. It's so valuable for you to forsake everything you've got to acquire my kingdom, to live in my kingdom, to operate in my kingdom. I don't have to wait to go to heaven. I can get to do that now. Verse 47 it says, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind, which, when it was full, they drew the shore and they sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but they threw the bad away. So it, was at the, so it will be at the end of the age, the angels will come forth, separate the wicked from among the just, and cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Wow. So if you didn't understand the tares and the wheat, he just said, look, here's the kingdom of heaven like this. They catch all these fish and they're going to take the bad fish and they're going to take them out. And they're going to, where, they, where do they go? He's going to separate the wicked from the just and he's going to cast them into the furnace of fire. There'll be wailing and gnashing of teeth. That does not sound like a good place. I don't think I want to go there. He said to them, have you understood all these things? And they said to him, yes, Lord. So I share this because we can go through, we'll probably look at Matthew 18, talks about parable, who's the greatest, uh, Matthew 20, and all the way through are parables, again, Jesus explaining the way the kingdom works. Why? 
because it's not operating the way that we think it should. We think in this term, earthly, natural, and he's saying, no, it's a spiritual kingdom, but it's here now. So we have to do what? Repent. Change the way you think. I have to quit thinking that this is the real and begin to say, wait a minute, your kingdom is real. I have to quit thinking the way I used to think and live according to my flesh. I've got to start living according to the spirit, which is kingdom. So I've got to start going through and recognizing, oh my gosh, I I have thought differently in regard to end times. I thought I got out first. Uh, I want to be sure I'm on the right team here. So it looks to me like I don't I may not should be the first ones going out. The point is is that you got to change the way you think because we've been thinking this way natural and he's saying, "Look, I've brought my kingdom with me. You're going to have to change the way you think and you to enter the kingdom, you can enter it now. You can begin to pray for my kingdom and my will to come on earth as it is in heaven. To do so, you better put on the armor because you're going to need it. You're going to need to battle. You're going to stand against the enemy that's already been defeated, but you're still going to have to stand. You're going to have to act and operate differently. So I want to pray for us again, and I want to pray that God will help us to understand his kingdom. So, Father, we love you and bless you. We are so grateful and thankful that you would choose us and call us sons and daughters. I pray for every one of us, Lord, you help us to have an understanding of the kingdom of heaven. Help us to understand that it's not in some uh, faraway place or in some distant uh, futuristic season, but Lord, your kingdom is here now. It is so valuable, it's worth us selling everything that we have and acquiring your kingdom. So help us to understand that these crops that are growing up simultaneously, there's a war going on. Enemy's trying to steal the word of the kingdom. He's trying to keep us out of operating in the fullness of what you've created for us. Help us to live, to be, to do everything that you have purposed in your heart for us. Help us to be a people of your kingdom. Lord, we love you. We bless you. We are so grateful and thankful. And Lord, we are so thankful that we get to live at this time. Now just, if you're watching this, just ask him to help me to really understand your kingdom and help me to live according to your rule and your reign. Wow, Lord, we love you. We bless you. And we just thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening. And I encourage you, we're going to continue to walk through the, uh, the book, the Gospel of Matthew, and going to continue to look at uh, different key things in regard to the kingdom of God. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this timely message. Pastor Terry and Susan Moore had a life-changing encounter with the Lord in August of 1982. They opened their home to build a Bible study, which turned into Sojourn Church, now located in Carrollton, Texas. They've never been the same and hope you connect with Christ in the same way. For more, connect to advancedbiblicalfoundations.org.